We're back off the bye week. It's on to the 49ers. We're going to have a little bit of a look at the state of the Browns as well. This is the Believe the Brits podcast. The way it should be, I guess. It's been a little while since we've uh, recorded a podcast. It's safe to say the mood has shifted considerably since we last did. But let's get into it anyway. Uh, Josh still on his holly bob, so it's just myself and Awine as usual. Awine, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, thanks, Ben. Good stuff, man. Yeah, like I said, it's been a while since we recorded because we did our pre-game show for the Ravens. Um, we were full of optimism, thought the Browns had a chance to go to 3-1. and one. We assumed, based on all of the reports, that Deshaun Watson was going to play. Uh, so we didn't really talk too much on the podcast about the prospects of anybody else playing quarterback. We obviously know what happened. We deliberately didn't do a game review because didn't think there was much to come out of the game that we could have talked about that wasn't already done to death by everybody else anyway. Um, but here we are, mate, a couple of weeks on. Um, and let's be honest, it's all just all of a sudden a huge mess, isn't it, the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, it feels like we get to this point every year um, in one way or another where there's, where there's loads of drama and... You know, like there's there's not a lot of hope on the horizon, and it seems like we've got there pretty early this year. Uh, I didn't think any of us expected to be at this point <laughs> in week four uh, or week five. Um, yeah, and it, it's quite hard to sum up in and put into words, isn't it? Like to be in the mess that they're in at the moment, and for everyone to be so frustrated and angry. Um, and to go into a game this weekend where I don't think any Browns fans would be expecting anything other than a loss, to be honest. Like, whatever happens at this point, because the 49ers are so good and and we just look a shambles in all, all aspects of the minute. So, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to put into words, really. It is hard, isn't it, mate? And let's, let's get into the, the whole quarterback situation. So, as I say, we were obviously... Fully expecting, as it seems, most people were fully expecting Deshaun Watson, despite not practising a fortnight ago, was going to suit up in that Ravens game. That's what all the talk had been. That certainly seemed to be the the vibe coming from the team and from Watson itself. Let's let's not forget that. Um, he was obviously a scratch on game day morning. Even the fact that PJ Walker had been elevated from the practice squad the day before Respected journalists were almost sort of saying, look, it's probably precautionary rather than anything else. It's likely that Watson is going to go. This is just a move, just in case. Um, obviously, it turned out that he didn't go. Won't go into it in great deals of depth, but obviously, pre-season is obviously much different to the regular season. And we saw that in terms of what DTR was able to put out on the field. Um, he looked... Nervous, looked like he wanted to be the hero, looked like he was not prepared to take what the defence gave him. All things that many rookie quarterbacks 
in the NFL have been guilty of from time to time. Um, but it was a real, real sort of wake-up call, if you like, just in terms of, you know, how far he needs to go. Um, he's obviously been relegated back to number two this week, it seems, or number three on the depth chart, whichever way you want to look at it, depending on whether Deshaun goes or not. But just in terms of DTR, mate, how much of a um, negative will of that performance being considering he was everybody's pre-season darling at the end of, uh, of the pre-season? Yeah, I think it was a tough, tough watch because the, I thought it was quite clear that everyone expected Watson to play. I think uh, that that match was pretty clear, and I think DTR was put in a rough position. Um, I think Stefanski was probably put in a rough position as well because it did seem like everyone had confidence that Watson was going to be okay to play, um, and you know. So I don't give any sort of blame to DTR. I think it would have hurt him because obviously that would have been a massive blow to his confidence in his first game. Um, so I think it would have hurt him in that respect. But, you know, I don't blame him for what happened in any any sense of the word. Um, and I think the people who are blaming Stefanski for what happened are a bit... I think it's a bit harsh as well because I think you, you're doing that on an outcome that, you know, none of us wanted to see. But, like... Had had Stefanski planned for DTR all week, and then Watson turned around before the game and said, "Yeah, I'm I'm fine to play," and then Watson went out and looked so like vanilla because he didn't have, you know, many you know advanced passing concepts to to call on. I think everyone would have been having a go at Stefanski the other way that he didn't prepare for Watson to play. So I think it was a no-win situation for everyone unless you know Watson was fine and and the game plan was normal for him. So. The Ravens one was was just a tough outcome. I don't think, you know, once we all knew DTR was going to start, I was personally excited to watch it because um, because he'd showed so much in pre-season. So there was a little bit of hope in, in terms of seeing him play well, but I don't think anyone expected us to come out and be victorious after we knew that he was, you know, Watson was out. Um so, yeah, it was just a, a no-win situation all round for me. Um, I think you were the, probably the same. Um, and I think anyone, you know, thinking about it rationally um, after that week would have would have probably thought the same. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, I was at the London game, the, the Jags and the Falcons, and when the news came through that Deshaun wasn't going, um, like you say, my expectation severely altered for the evening ahead. Um, it, it obviously didn't work out very well. Um, I think the disappointing thing, of course, was the fact that the the defence that had been the pillar of all the success that we had had, regardless of who was on the, the field the other side, um, obviously had its worst outing of the season. Obviously not helped by the fact that the offence didn't sustain a lot of drives. You know, let's not get away from that. That obviously did have a massive impact on the defence. Um but it always seems, doesn't it, mate, that Lamar Jackson, whenever he plays, particularly in Cleveland as well, he always just seems to find a way, doesn't he? And we'll talk about the rest of the AFC, AFC North in a little while. But just on that particular day, it just seemed as though he hardly had any incompletions. Um, you know, he was able to scramble when it was needed. You know, he walked into the end zone for two touchdowns. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of throws to Mark Andrews in the end zone were in the place that only Mark Andrews was going to get anywhere near them. 
just one of those days, wasn't it, mate, where just everything went against Cleveland and sort of compounded the misery from the other side of the ball. Yeah, like you said, everything seemed to go wrong. I think the de- on the defence, I think because they were out there so often, that would have had an impact because I think they would have realised really early on that they had no chance of winning that game, um, barring like a Steelers-type performance where they, they score in on their own. Um, I think that would have had a big mental effect. I think I, I was quite encouraged actually, actually with the defensive performance because... I think last year and the year before, in those type of games, you'd have seen them give up quite early on. And then, you know, there'd have been loads of rushing, there'd have been loads of passing, there would have been a lot more points conceded. But I, I was quite encouraged by the fact that they just kept going. Um, because, like I said, in years past, they would have just thrown the towel in and, and things would have got really ugly. So, you know, while they were on the on the field more the other day and while they were less effective I was still quite encouraged with that performance Yeah I think that's fair enough I certainly think in the you know the aftermath like you say on the night it felt like a real downer but like you say potentially once the smoke's cleared a little bit and you look at it more in a vacuum you know as as that game in a vacuum as you say overall you're still pretty happy with where this defence is at the quarter point of the season. Obviously, the significant thing from the defence that's come out of that, and this again comes back to just everything going wrong, was Miles Garrett ended up in a walking boot. Um, now, we appreciate he apparently wasn't seen in the walking boot at practice yesterday, but Miles Garrett himself didn't practice yesterday. Um, so when you talk about significant injuries that the Browns have suffered, um, he's obviously the one player on the defence that you wouldn't want to see injured. Um, he said himself he was going to be good to go. Um, you know, he pretty much came out with that straight after the the final whistle had gone in the Ravens game. But again, you know, realistically, do we think that playing Miles Garrett this weekend is a sensible decision, or do you think just sitting for the week? As you said, we probably need a million and one things to go right to even stand a chance this week. Um, but you look at the sort of upcoming games thereafter. You've got games against the Colts. The Cardinals, you've got two big divisional games. You know, is it the sensible thing to potentially sit Miles Garrett this week and then say, right, you know, hopefully all being well, come back against Indianapolis in week seven? I think it's a tough decision because, like, Miles Garrett personally will be chasing, like, his own records and his own stats this year. So you won't want to sit out of this game. Um, especially, you know, there'll probably be a couple of chances to, to pick up some sacks this week. Um but like you say, from a team perspective, if Watson's not going to play, the chances of us winning are, are so, so slim. Um, so from a team perspective, you'd probably just rather him, Joel, you know, anyone that's carrying injuries that are big players for us, we'd probably rather them just sit until the Seahawks game. Um, I do wonder if that probably plays into their thinking about Deshaun Watson as well. You know, seeing the, the 49ers start of the season how dominant they've been, how dominant that defensive line is as well, and how poor our offensive line has been. You wonder if they think, okay, if we play Watson this week, there's a chance he gets hit a lot, sacked a lot, and you know we end up missing him for a long, long time. Maybe we just sit him this week and then go next week. But I think you do get into dangerous territory when you start doing that. Um, because... 
you roped off the Ravens game because he couldn't quite play in that one. You write off the 49ers game because he can't play quite play in that one. And then you're three and you two and three. You know, the Seahawks are no rollover. Um, that'll be a tough game away from home. Um so you know, and you're going into a stretch where you need to pick up wins. So I think I think it's always a dangerous territory when you get into that sort of thinking. Um We'll see what they end up doing, but I, I don't like, I don't personally like just writing games off as as unwinnable because we've seen, you know, with our own team that teams that shouldn't have a chance before the game end up going to win. You look at like New York Jets, for example, last year having less than one percent chance of winning the game, and then they beat us. You know, there's there's countless times where that that happens in the NFL. So I don't like just writing games off. Um, so I hope that that's not what they're doing, um, but it'll be interesting to see on Sunday because if Watson doesn't play, I think it'll be pretty obvious to see if they've written that game off by what they do with Miles and Joel and and so on and so forth, maybe even Amari. So, um, yeah. yeah, like you said, the rest of the injury report doesn't look great either. Joel Batonio didn't practice yesterday. Ethan Pochich was limited in practice. Um, David Njoku... Really bizarre one. Obviously, suffered, you know, burns the night before the game. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Instagram photo that he's released. Um, but what on earth he has done to himself, God only knows. Um, just an absolute mess. And again, it's just one of those things that you think only, only the Browns, only the Browns seemingly have these kind of things. Um, so when Joku didn't practice yesterday. Betonio, Watson, Cooper, Jerome Ford, and Pochic. Um, so, yeah, pretty much everything on the offence, not looking great, and your best defensive player didn't practice either. Um, so, no wonder it feels like the sky is falling in. Um, I don't think we'll touch too much more on the game itself. I think we're all expecting a huge challenge. You know, the 49ers roll in as one of the only undefeated teams still remaining alongside the Philadelphia Eagles. They have looked as good as advertised. Brock Purdy, um, I said in the off-season, you know, I think he's an exceptionally good quarterback and he's proved that so far through the four weeks of the season that there has been. Um, you know, I think he's, he's, he's absolutely perfect for that offence. Um, and like I say, he's certainly staking his claim early doors as being a real contender potentially towards sort of MVP conversation and all of those type of things. Obviously a bit early in the season for all of that, but he's certainly trending that way. So let's just look at the Browns sort of overall, mate, at the quarter pole of the season. It obviously hasn't clicked into gear yet. There's no getting away from it. You know, we can we can dress it up. We can use whatever reasonings that we want to. The reality is certainly on the offensive side of the ball, it just hasn't clicked into gear yet. Yes, you've lost Nick Chubb. And obviously, you lost him basically, what, less than halfway through the second game of the season. It was always going to be a big part of the offence. Um, but as you said rightly many a time, this offence, as soon as they made that trade for Deshaun Watson, should have been an offence built to win through the air. Should have been an offence designed to score multiple points. Um, and let's face it, you know, it just hasn't done that. If you look at the wide receivers, mate, you know, Amari Cooper has had 18 receptions and that leads the team through four games, uh, just 259 yards. The rest of the receiving call between them, Elijah Moore has been so disappointing for me. 17 receptions, just 148 yards. 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, even worse, six receptions for 75 yards. Um, and David Njoku, if you want to say he as the fourth receiver of the of the group, I know he's obviously lined up at the tight end position, but 16 receptions, just 138 yards. Where's the explosiveness coming from, mate, in this offence? Because it just seems so, so easy to play against at the minute. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you like you include that first game in there where nobody could throw on either side of the ball. So that obviously takes takes, you know, away from the stats that, you know, everyone, all the other teams would be getting. So there's one game you can sort of write off. Then you can write another one off in week four, really, because the you know, the QB was not ready to play that game in any sense of the word. Um, so you've really only got a two-game sample size there. Um, and then even then, like against the Steelers, I think we both agreed this, you know, Deshaun Watson was putrid that week. Um, so you've, you've only really got one game of, of half-decent QB play against the Titans. So it's a really tough one to evaluate how the wide receivers are doing. Um I do still think that there needs to be a little bit more added to that room. I think that, you know, everyone saying that this this wide receiver room is really, really good before the start of the season would, would have been exaggerating quite a lot, in my opinion. I think TPJ is a nice NFL wide receiver, but he's not, you know, he's not going to put up big, big numbers. He's not the type of player that, you know, you can get ex- explosive plays from a ton you know, he does win down the field every now and again, but like he doesn't, he's not a big separator. Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper. He's been phenomenal since he joined the Browns. I think we both agree on that. Um, Elijah Moore, the way they used him so far, I think, I think it's pretty horrible. I think if I'm going to have one gripe with Kevin Stefanski, because I, I am a big Stefanski supporter, but if I'm going to have one gripe with him, it would be how he's used Elijah Moore. I just don't think. I think he's gone into this the season thinking he's a smaller type wide receiver with with speed, so he's looked at Debo Samuel as an example of how how he can be used. But you know, I look back to I don't really take into consideration what he was like with the Jets because I don't think they used him brilliantly either. But I look back to what he did really well at Ole Miss, and it wasn't that type of you know it wasn't that type of player. You know, he was he was a player that could win downfield quite consistently. Um, he's a legit NFL wide receiver, and just using him for for the kind of stuff that he used Anthony Schwartz for in in reality, you know those those end rounds, the jet sweeps. He's used him out the backfield and stuff. I just want to see him used as a proper wide receiver, and I think we would see a much different outcome if if that was the case. Um, but I do think that this is a concerning room going forward. Obviously, Amari Cooper's getting older. DPJ's in the last year. We've not seen anything out of Cedric Tillman so far in in you know regular season. Elijah Moore is obviously a big question mark until for me they use him in a in a better way. Um, so there is still a concern in room going forward, and obviously when when you've got QBs or a QB that's not playing to the best of his abilities, you need to surround him with as much talent as possible, and like you said. They build in to win through the air, so the wide receivers are obviously a massive part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like you say, Cedric Tillman's just got one catch so far for for five yards. Um, only seen three targets. I mean, 
Marquise Goodwin was obviously the guy brought in to give us the the, uh, the stretch in the field ability. Um, he's had five targets, one reception so far for a grand total of zero yards on the season. So, yeah, it's it's been an absolute disaster. Harrison Bryant's stat line's incredible. Three receptions, seven yards and a touchdown. <laughs> it's just unbelievable, whichever way you want to try and dress it up. It has been such a, such a poor start to the season on the offence. Um, and I'm normally full of optimism, but like I say, it's really, really struggling to try and find room for optimism. I think the offensive line has been a letdown. You mentioned it earlier, you know, Jedrick Wills. He's obviously coming for a lot of criticism. I tended to veer away from the criticism because I think there is sort of signs of some good stuff in there, but there's too much of the bad stuff for me um, creeping through. You know, whether the Browns will move on at the end of the season, who knows? I know they picked up his fifth-year option, but that's no guarantee that he'll stick around. Um, he's looked as, as shaky as ever. I think that obviously is impacting what Joel Batonio is able to do because he's probably got one eye on what's going on to his left-hand side. Um, and obviously we've lost Jack Conklin as well on the right-hand side. I think Daquan Jones has done a reasonable job, um, you know, but ultimately it's just not been anything like what we'd hoped and what we expected it to be. Um, and in terms of moving forward, mate, you know, let, let's let's ask the killer question. You know, this rotary cuff is what supposedly the issue is in terms of Deshaun Watson and. I've read reports that that's anything from two to six weeks. I've also read reports that it's similar, if you like, to the issue that Baker Mayfield had. And obviously we saw how much Baker struggled throughout the entire season, trying to manage it and play with it week to week. And we made the argument at the time that Baker probably did himself more harm than good by actually playing. Um, you know, So as we sit here, mate, Deshaun Watson... It's trending towards him not playing. Let's be honest, he hasn't practised. It's not looking likely. They've obviously sort of given PJ Walker all of the snaps or most of the snaps in practice this week. How long do you honestly think that we're going to be without Deshaun Watson? I know they keep saying day to day, which may well be the case, but I think it's obviously really agitating the fan base. Um, realistically, do you see this being something that's over within the next week, or do you see this dragging on for another few weeks, potentially, you know, sort of right the way through until we get to November and beyond? I think it's really tough for us to sit here and really have an informed opinion at the minute because there's no like, there's no information, no credible information out there given by the team. And I would have to disagree with, by the looks of him, the majority of the fan base who feel entitled to know exactly what's going on with this injury. Because, in my opinion, I just like, yeah, we're fans of the team, but like, the Browns don't have to tell us anything about this injury if they don't want to. I think, you know, they may think that they're getting a little bit of an advantage out of the other team not knowing. Um, who the starting QB is going to be, but like we, I think, I think the impression that is given off, especially since the bye week, is that the Browns have no idea what's happening at all. Just like us, that they have no idea. They don't know what's going on in his shoulder. They don't know how long he's going to be out. You know, they know nothing, just like we do. But in reality, they they would have been scanning him, you know, relatively often. They'll know what his pain's like. They know what his range of movement's like. 
they'll have a really good idea of what this is, how long he's going to be out and, you know, those type of things and, like, whether he can make it worse by playing, for example. So they'll know what's going on. We'll eventually know what's going on. Um, but the Browns don't have... We don't have a divine right to know just because we support the team. So the panic... I, I get the panic and I think it's more frustration than anything because this was supposed to be the year that the Browns are going to be good. You know, just like every year, it feels like this is the year that it was meant to happen. So I can I can completely understand the frustration after a month of the season that it seems like it's going down the toilet. But in reality, the Browns don't owe us anything. They don't owe us any, you know, um, any information about what's going on. And I would have to disagree with, you know, everything that I've seen on that, on, you know, social media and stuff this week. Um it would be nice to know, don't get me wrong, it would be nice to know where we sort of stand. And the only ones, the only fans I sort of feel sorry for in this scenario is the ones that are paying the tickets to go and watch because that's obviously going to have a massive, massive impact on how much you would want to go and watch, how much you would want to spend to go and watch the Browns. So they're the only ones I really feel sorry for. But going back to the original point... I think it's tough for us to sit here and, and predict what's going to happen. Um, it doesn't feel like he's playing this weekend. and I agree with you. It doesn't feel like he's playing this weekend. But going past that, I think it's impossible for us to guess. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough, mate. I do think that's fair enough. Like you say, I've seen a lot of uh, different opinions on it. Um, you know, I, I saw somebody suggesting that he should be put on IR. And I was thinking, well, you obviously know something that I don't and seemingly what anybody else doesn't know. Um, so, yeah, very, very strange how it's all been handled. Um, I think, like I say, probably the press conferences probably didn't help um, in terms of the way that it's been managed. Um, and as you say, just does give off that vibe of, of lacking control, whether that is genuine in the case or not. Like you say, you'd like to think that it isn't. Um, so we'll wait and see how it does transpire. But obviously, the Browns will be hoping to get him back on the field. I suppose the only saving grace in all of this, mate, is the fact that the AFC North is pretty shockingly bad so far this year. How on earth the Pittsburgh Steelers lead this division is just beyond me. Um, you know, they have a minus 30 odd point differential. Um, through just five weeks of the season, and that includes three wins. Um, they are they're just an awful team. Awful. I, well, I say awful team. I'm doing them a disservice. They've got a very good defence, but they are absolutely awful on offence. Um, they somehow sneaked past the Ravens last week. The Ravens obviously left all their good plays in First Energy Stadium. Um, so... How do you see the division, mate? I mean, obviously there were signs that the Bengals might have finally clicked into gear a little bit, but I'm sort of pausing that a little bit because I'm saying, well, it was against the Arizona Cardinals. So let's just, you know, pump the brakes on that a little bit, believe it when we see it. And obviously they've got some much tougher games on the uh, on the schedule. Uh, so how do you view the division, mate? Because worst case scenario, regardless of who plays quarterback, we expect to probably be two and three by the end of this weekend. We will still likely only be a game back from the division lead, which if you'd have said to me at two and three, you'd only be a game back after five, six weeks of the season, you'd have snapped anybody's hands off. Um, so how are you viewing the division, mate? And what's your sort of thought process in terms of, you know, where the Browns stand in the packing order? 
I think we'll have all been delighted to see the Steelers beat the Ravens the other day. Um, I think, you know, if you're looking at it realistically, the, the defence can't keep up the scoring that they've that they've managed through that first uh, five weeks of the season. It's just not sustainable. So if they're going to carry on the way they're going, although they've had a really good start, well, a, a good start, I can't see them sustaining it long term. And I think that that'll be the feeling of of every other fan of every other team in the AFC North, apart from the Steelers. And even, you know, you even saw, you know, I, I kept a closer eye on that game on the weekend than I did all the other ones. And you even saw, like, in the first half and, and stuff, like, the Pittsburgh fans were getting really antsy with that offence. And, you know, unless they sort it out, that's going to continue. And I don't see them sorting it out because I don't think Kenny Pickett's particularly talented at, at that position so um, I don't worry about them so much I do worry a little bit about the Ravens because just like I said about you know the the Steelers defence and that not being sustainable long term I don't think you're going to see the Ravens wide receivers drop in as many balls as what they did on the weekend I don't think that's sustainable going forward either so I think if both of them creep back towards average on both of those sides then the Ravens are going to be really handy to watch this year. Lamar's playing really well. He played really well the other day. Um, I think their wide receiver room is is probably a big concern to them. I think Flowers has played well so far this season. I'd expect that to continue. But OBJ is not going to stay healthy the whole season. I think that's pretty obvious so far. Um, Bateman may not stay healthy the whole season. So like it was against us, it may be Flowers and and Agle or whoever else they trot out on there. So that'll be a concern to them. As for the Bengals, it's a tough one because it all depends on Joe Burrow's health. Like, he looked much better the other day. Like you said, it started to click. They do tend to do this where they start really slow in the season and then build up and build up. So if anything, I, I'm I'm more frightened of them than I am of the Steelers for sure. Um, and because of what's happened in the AFC North so far this season, I think they can be relatively pleased because they could have easily been out of the equation already, but they're still well well within reach. So um, I think it's going to be a really tough battle. And, you know, it'll, it'll depend on all four quarterbacks. Can Lamar stay healthy? Can Burrow get healthier than what he is right now? What's going to happen with Deshaun? Is he going to come back? Is he going to play well? Because we still haven't seen, let's not forget, like if he comes back, there's no guarantees he's going to carry on playing like he did against the Texans. We've seen one good game out of him since he's been a Brown. So that's still a massive question mark in itself. Yeah. And then, you know, the question on Pickett is whether he can be okay, I think, uh, rather than a detriment to the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, w- I would agree with that synopsis. I think the next the next month is so telling for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they've got a big game this weekend, tough game, the Seattle Seahawks in town. Um, you know, if they can scrape out a win in that one, you know, they then go to their bye week. Their two games after the bye are at San Francisco and then they host Buffalo. So you look at that, you know, there could easily be a path to two and six for the Bengals there. You know, they're three really difficult games. And we said that when the schedule was released at the start of the season, how difficult the Bengals' schedule would be. Um, you know, and it, it comes into full fruition, if you like, over the course of the next month. So, 
big month for them. Um, Baltimore, obviously, over in the UK this week. You know, that obviously um, potentially is a real leveller. The Titans are real Jekyll and Hyde this year as well, aren't they? They were awful against Cleveland. Then they thumped Cincinnati and then they lost to Gardner Minshew and the Colts last week. So who knows what version of the Tennessee Titans you're going to get. Pittsburgh actually on their bye this week. Um, So as I say, worst case scenario, the Browns will probably end the week no worse than one game back in the division, um, which is crazy when you consider how poor we're saying the start of the season has been. Um, But it's obviously just going to put more and more pressure on that stretch of games that everybody's looking to, thinking there's some potential wins on the on the horizon there. Um, there's no such thing as a guarantee in the NFL, as we find in week in and week out. Um, just in terms of the rest of the week, mate, um, I dread to talk about Pickhams these days because my record this year is absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious. Um, so I won't go through the whole um, the whole slide, but just go through a few of the games with you. Um, we'll start off with the London game, mate, because like I say, that one is um, an intriguing matchup in terms of the Ravens and the Titans. Um, obviously, Ravens favoured, but as I say, the Titans have been really up and down. Titans technically the home team in this one. Not that I think that's going to make any difference being in London. Um, but how do you see the, the London game going to close out the, the three-week international series that we've had? I think it's a it's a tough one. Um, I think I think all of these London games, I think, are heavily dependent on the on the way teams prepare. We spoke. I don't know if we spoke last week about the London game coming up, but. I know on pickums I took the Jags to beat the Bills just because they'd been there for two weeks in a row. So like they would have been able to prepare much better, you know, the jet lag, all this stuff would have gone by then. Um and the Bills I think flew on flew in on a Thursday, I believe. Um all these teams have got different ways of preparing for those London games and it's quite interesting to see the different tactics they employ. You know, the Ravens have gone out there pretty early this week, not sure about the Titans. Um, I think if this was in America, I think it would be much more interesting to watch as a Browns fan because the Titans are a pretty gritty team. I, I don't think we saw the be- best of them when we played, but they're really physical, just like the Ravens are. Um, they're a tough team to beat. I think it's going to be pretty close. I think the Baltimore Ravens just about scrape it. I think Lamar's legs will will help them get over the line. Um, but I think it's going to be a pretty close one. Yeah, it should be. I think the international series has been pretty decent on the whole this year. I was at the Wembley mm-hmm. game, which was not too bad. It was you know, potentially the Falcons tried to make it competitive second half. Certainly the one last week kicked into gear in the fourth quarter, didn't it? Um, and like I said, the, the final one, potentially a good matchup between two evenly matched sides. Uh, a couple more just wish through, mate. We've talked about it in... Um, in a little bit of depth already, but the Bengals and Seahawks, do you think the Bengals taking this one or do you think the Seahawks on the road? Seahawks are fresh off their bye week as well. This one's another tough one. I think, like you said earlier, I think, you know, you're looking at the AFC North matchups this week and I think they could go either way in all of them, I think, apart from apart from ours, I think, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because, like, you look at the strength of the Seahawks' defence, and that's their cornerback room, matches up obviously very well with the strength of the Bengals' um, offence. 
and we've seen firsthand when you can sort of match those wide receivers that that Bengals offense isn't anywhere near as good. So I may end up talking myself into taking the Seahawks in this one, um, even though it's away from home. Yeah, two more just to finish off on, mate. Um, we'll go with the Lions at the Buccaneers. Lions heavily favoured. Buccaneers off the bye week. Buccaneers certainly been um, punchy. Um, yeah, they gave the Eagles a pretty decent game. They've obviously got a three and one record. So again, fresh off their bye week. Um, so this is a big challenge for the Lions on the road. Yeah, I'd like to point out before we started that Josh Josh sort of questioned me on my confidence of the Lions winning the, this division before the start of the season. And so far, very, very good. Very, very <laughs> good. Um, I'd like to revisit that that accumulator that I put in this this chat before when we were doing our season predictors because I think I may have missed out on a lot of money so far because I had the Bucks in there. I had the Lions in there. Uh, I can't remember who the other ones were. So, um, but no, in all seriousness, I think it's going to be an interesting game again. Like I, I quite like the the slate this week in terms of, you know, some sometimes you get some god awful games that you have no interest in watching. But I think this week, you know, I, I may de- depending on how our game starts, I may be flicking through a, a lot more <laughs> games by by half time. Um, I think the Lions take this one. Um, I think Aidan Hutchinson is going to have himself a week. And we've seen firsthand when Baker starts to feel the heat consistently, he starts to make some bad decisions. So I hope Baker plays well and I wouldn't mind seeing the Bucks winning this, but um, I think the Lions take it. Okay. And then last one, mate. I'm not going to give you a game. I just want an answer between these two. Which team scores the most points this week? The Chiefs hosting the Broncos on Thursday night football or the Dolphins hosting the Panthers on Sunday? I think it's the Dolphins. I don't think it's particularly close either. I think I I would love to see the Broncos just play well once. Just once. (laughs) Just play well. (laughs) Yeah, just play well once. Um, Just before you get rid of every single good player you've got which seems like it's coming pretty soon. Just play well once. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly not worked out so far, has it, for uh, Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos? Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, hopefully, it will be slightly better from a Cleveland Browns perspective. What I would suggest, everybody, you strap on your big boy pants for this week because I don't think it's going to be particularly pretty. Um, and maybe we just have a bit of a reset in week seven and uh, the season starts in earnest from there. As I say, worst case scenario, I think the Browns... I did the Ravens a disservice, actually. If the Ravens win, the Browns will be two games back, but obviously with an additional game to play. So they're certainly not going to be out of contention. Um, But like I say, you know, things will probably be quite tricky this weekend against one of the premier teams in the NFL. We'll be hopefully around on Sunday evening for a post-game review. Depends how depressed we are. We will wait and see. You never know. It could be be quite the celebration. So we'll see how things pan out. Um, I'm hoping to get Josh back from the other side of the world at some point soon as well. So hopefully the three of us will be back ahead of the uh, the preview of next week's game against Indy. But for now, my well, thanks to Hawaiian. We'll hopefully see you on the weekend. Uh, let's hope the Browns can uh, pull out a shock result. And we will see you soon on the Believe in Brits podcast. Mm-hmm.